Thank you. That's uh, <laughs> those lyrics. I mean, we really sit back and think about it. To be fully known, and then still be loved. Um, and God won't go astray no matter what we do. I mean, if you, those of you in this room who are married, like you, you kind of know somebody pretty well. <laughs> but to be fully known, that's pretty powerful. Um, and hopefully tonight we're going to learn a little bit more about about that God and our Savior who does fully know you and fully loves you. And uh, so, yeah, so we've been in a, in a series called Between Two Worlds, and this is the fourth week of looking at First uh, Peter. Could you, hey, could you just turn me down just a little bit? I feel like I'm just getting a little feedback. Not your fault. Because <clears throat> I'm not even, like, warmed up yet. Great, that's great. Thank you. Um, Okay, so welcome. If you don't know me, my name is Brian. Um, i pastor here and uh, preach here predominantly most of my time and spend a lot of time here in St. Paul. And um, uh, anyways, a couple things. If, if you're wondering, like, man, I wish there was something more to do and that kind of thing. Um, tonight was kind of a, a hectic evening just because um, uh, the Korean church, they're celebrating their 13-year uh, uh, anniversary uh, as far as being a church. And so they, they decided to go about 45 minutes later than they, than they usually do. And so it took us a while to get in here and, and get things going. And so um, part of that, though, is, is like, like a night like tonight um, and, and this last Saturday, we were completely independent from downtown in the sense of um, uh, musicians are our own, although tonight we did have a drummer who, who uh, will float around. That's okay. We still love him. Uh, Josh is a great guy. Um, but uh, even just setting up and tearing down and, and that kind of thing. And so if you say, man, there's something I'd like to do, but maybe you could come before or stay a little bit later afterwards. Uh, we still could use some more help in our nursery. Um, I think there was five, there's five babies. Two of them have been born. There's three more uh, on the way. And so um, usually that, that will take moms out of commission for a little while. Uh, and so if you would like to volunteer with that, we could use, use help with that. So anything, if there's anything you'd, you'd like to do to help out, we'd love to, uh, love to have you. So uh, again, thanks for being here. Um, I know the roads are, were kind of rough. I know I saw several accidents, so if you had to drive any, any distance, I appreciate that. And just be safe when we leave. Um, good news is we only have five to eight more inches coming tomorrow night, so we're <laughs> almost out of the... So we get to wake up on Monday morning, you know, to a lot of snow. That's always fun. That's always the best. Um, anyways, thanks for being here. So again, we've been in First Peter, and I, and I just want to, again, just kind of, I'm going to read this by Karen Jobes. And actually, this is the only quote I have tonight. We're, we've got a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of verses, a lot of scripture we're going to be flying through tonight. But I love how she kind of summarizes First Peter. Uh, she says, Peter exhorts Christians to engage in the world as foreigners and resident aliens, having a healthy respect for the society and culture in which they live, while at the same time maintaining an appropriate separation from it, and that's really what Peter's about. He's going to look at and talk about this is how we live in the society and culture around us, all the while respecting it, having healthy respect for society, embracing certain aspects of society, but at the same time, meaning a good balance of separation and appropriate separation from it. Um, not this week. This week, he just kind of summarizes um, the whole Bible in a sense. He, he just talks about about a lot of scripture, and if you remember the the first. Uh, two weeks really was just kind of really just prepping our hearts for First Peter. There's going to be some very convicting things that hopefully we can walk out of here hopeful as far as what Scripture teaches. I mean, next week he's going to say it twice, be holy for I am holy, because he said, be holy for I am holy. Uh, it's hard to, to preach a message on that without talking about what holiness is and what does God expect 
of us as a Christian. And so I hope you come back because the cool thing is Jesus is the Holy One. And so therefore we get to respond um, out of love towards him. Uh, but before we get there, we just get to look at the whole Bible. And, and so we're going we're gonna to cover a lot of, a lot of scripture tonight. And um, that's, that's the whole point. So if you go back two weeks now, so the second week we got into this, this verse, 1 Peter um, 1, I have 1 through 9 up there, but it'll actually be 3 through 9. Um, that I'll, or three through uh, 12 that I'll read now. Um, it's all one sentence. And so, no, it doesn't really make sense in the, in the English language, and it doesn't really make sense in the Greek either. Um, it's actually very, very difficult to write that kind of a, of a paragraph in one sentence. And so, um, thankfully, our English translators have put periods and that kind of thing in there. But everything flows. There are things that are uh, complementing this and that, and so we'll kind of just walk through this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, just, but just going to read through these passages from two weeks ago, last week, and then uh, this, this week. It says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So everything he's about to say is hinging on this fact that Jesus Christ is alive, there's a living hope, and it's through his resurrection he raised from the dead. And into an inheritance, there's hope and inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time, in the end of times, in the last days. In all of this, so in verse six is referring back to all of the three through five, what I just read. In all of this, in this salvation, in this hope and inheritance, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And last week we looked at what does it mean to suffer trials and yet, as a result of our faith, not because of a lack of faith. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Remember who's writing this. This is Peter. Peter was, was a best friend of Jesus. He saw him, he walked with him, he talked with him, he, he laughed at Jesus' jokes. He knew him, he knew him very well. And here he's saying, but you have not seen me or seen him, Jesus, and you love him. Verse nine, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And that, that phraseology, at least in English, can be a little confusing of making it seem like we need to do something, and we need to remain faithful in order that we will be saved. That's not what he's saying. That belief and faith are completely tied, that I believe and have faith, and that results in the salvation, not my faithfulness to it. Then this week, um, which uh, Ben read, it says, concerning this salvation. So now this, that phrase, concerning this salvation, is all of what I just read. Concerning all of that, the prophets... The, the Bible, Moses and the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. And remember, he's talking to the, the first century church, but it's also you because we're this side of the cross. These words are, are to you, church. And when they spoke of the things that, are now, that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. That's, those are the verses that we're going to be 
getting at. I, I really just have one overlying question for tonight that I want to try to answer for the remainder of our time. That is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Gospel just means good news. Is this good news that I can be saved, that I can be fully known in spite of all my sin and inadequacies? Can I still be loved by him? Right, that is the good news of Jesus Christ. But is that news compatible with that of the Old Testament? Um, if, if you've heard, or maybe you even have confusion with this, and maybe tonight we'll at least clarify at least a little bit of this, that there seems to be this, this uh, conflicting image of who the God of the New Testament is versus the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament is wrath and war and hatred, and the God of the New Testament is, is love and mercy. Um, I recently heard a pastor uh, use an analogy to explain that kind of predicament that I think sometimes we find ourselves in. I think it's helpful, but it doesn't answer all the questions. And if, you were, if you're really curious about war and slavery, we preached on all that um, in the book of Exodus of the last year and a half. Uh, not last year and a half, but last year. And so um, all those messages are online if you're, you're interested a little bit more about that. But he used this illustration. He said... Um, uh, he, he used his wife, and I could use my, my wife for an example as well. But he said, imagine I'm, I'm walking on one side of the street, uh, and I see my wife on the other side of the street. And she is tenderhearted and kind, and there is a homeless man. And he is always at the same spot every day. And every single day, I see my wife, just she generously opens up her money and her wallet and says, take it, have it, I don't really care, I don't need it as badly as you do. And she's super generous. And this happens over and over and over. But then there's one day, there's one day where his wife, he looks over and sees her approach this homeless man, but instead of opening up her wallet, she ends up slapping the guy in the face and pushing him to the ground. And then she goes on her way. Right now, he said, the analogy here is like this. He said, this side of the cross, the phrase he uses is the, the crucifixion of the warrior God. It's kind of what he says. Um, he says that, that when we look at this view of the love and mercy and grace that we see on the cross. He's like, it was the same way as if I see my wife and those scenarios and I look at her and I see her commit violence that I would say I must be missing something. <laughs> There's something about, I know who my wife is and I know that she wouldn't just react that way because for no reason. All right? There must be some reason that I'm not fully seen. And what I wanna do tonight is look at some of these verses in the Old Testament throughout the entire Bible, just point, point to Jesus that it's not just a crucifixion of warrior God. He is love and he's always been love. I love the phrase that Nehemiah uses. We're actually in the, in the end of the, the year, we're gonna be um, preaching through the book of Nehemiah, at least his prayers, depending on how you break it up. He, he prays about 10 to 14 times and it's just a really, really profound book on prayer. And uh, he uses this language though in Nehemiah in his first prayer where he says, um, the, the God of the love of the covenant, that there's something about the covenants that he establishes with his people and now with us in the new covenant that is love. And hopefully tonight uh, we'll, we'll see that. So is the gospel of Jesus Christ compatible with the message of the Old Testament? That's what we're gonna be after. So before we can do that, what are the prophets of old searching for? And so if we look here uh, on this highlighted section, right? So concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, search intently, and with greatest care, right? They wanted to learn some things. Verse 11, they were trying to find out, one, the time, and then the circumstances around what was gonna happen with the Messiah. 
to which the Spirit of Christ in them. So the Holy Spirit inspiring them to write and to prophesy and, and to pen these words, that the same Spirit that's in Christ was in them penning these words and was pointing to when he predicted the suffering. So what, what kind of sufferings? of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. And so that's really what we're going to look at tonight based on the Old Testament. So the first thing that we get there as far as the time is when. It is, maybe, maybe you're not human or you're not like me, and it's part of the human condition to just want to know when things are going to happen, right? I mean, I remember as a kid, I lived in, in Illinois, and my, my mom had a twin sister who lived here in the cities. And, and so we would drive up. They had six kids. They lived out in, you know, Minnetonka with the big old houses, right? Um, I think. I, I don't remember. I was a little kid. But uh, they had a big house, regardless of where it was. Um, and and we, so we would go up there. We had this tiny little, little house in, in Illinois. And, and there was just three of us. And I even shared a room. It was a three-bedroom three house. So we would normally come up here. And I remember making that drive. And as a kid, it was like a seven-hour drive without stops. Right, and, you, and, and most of you in here, you remember life before cell phones and iPads and, and all that stuff. Right? So that's, a, that's a long trip as a little kid to make. Right, You could read for like 10 minutes before you got bored. Um, and so you're always, you know, you're playing like bingo with the, with the signs. Remember that in the road? You guys ever do that? You know, like, oh, you find a sign that's 55 miles an hour and you cross off the bingo thing. Yeah, okay, I'm not crazy. Um, well, we would do that, and it would take forever. And, and so I wrote down some other, other examples of just wanting to know, like, okay, are we there yet? What time? When are we going to be there? When's it going to happen? When, when is dinner going to be ready, right? All those different things. Um, uh, how about, like, a test? Well, the worst thing about uh, any kind of schooling was pop quizzes, right? Because you don't know when it's going to happen, right? It's just going to pop up, and, and you don't know. You can't, how am I supposed to be prepared for this? You can't, right? It's, it was, it's just a rough, bad feeling, um, uh, maybe giving a presentation of someone just saying, hey, oh, man, I'd love you to do that sometime. Well, what's sometime mean? I want to I wanna know. Um, my favorite was always when teachers would say, oh, you need to know what a gerund is. You're going to use it someday, right? Because I'm still waiting on that day because I do not know what a gerund is anymore. Um, but uh, I, clearly I haven't needed it. I know I'm using them. That's all I need to know. Um, and, even, and even within religion, within the church, how many times, oh, my goodness, over the centuries, has a, a, a nutcase said, this is when Jesus is coming back, right? I know, I know, I know the date and the time and even the year when he's going to come back. And I just love it because scripture says, nobody knows the time when Christ is going to return. And I love it. So when everybody says, like, this is when it's going to happen, guess what? I know that's not when it's going to be uh, because he said it wasn't going to be then. Um, and so this has happened all all the time. As a matter of fact, my college um, that I graduated from was called Maranatha, which in, which in Hebrew just means uh, come, come quickly, right? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's, that's kind of how the revelation ends it with, you know, come, come, uh, come quickly. And, and I remember in football, we'd, we had Maranatha written across our chest. And that was like our coach's, you know, pep talk of, you know, it you know, means, you know, come and, come and get me kind of a thing. And it was like, you know, come, go and go and get him, come and hit him. And, and I would listen, there was this rap song um, that was, I forget who sang it, but it was called Maranatha, right? And it was just, Maranatha, here I come, Maranatha, here I come. And it was like a football prep thing, not like, Jesus, come back, please. It was, um, it wasn't meant to be that way, but um, anyways, we want to know when. And scripture and every prophet in the Bible wants to know the same thing. And so, uh, and this goes all the way back. This goes all the way back to Genesis, Genesis 3, 15. 
This is what uh, scholars will call the, the first announcement of the gospel. And I love that image of Christ on the cross, and you're going to see this written out here in this verse. This is uh, after the fall. This is God the Father cursing the serpent, cursing Satan. And so you, then its fulfillment is then in Christ uh, crushing the head of the serpent that's weaving its way through that skull, which is symbolized as Golgotha. And he says this, I will put enmity, I will put hatred between you, serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. But then he changes the tense here. This is not no longer a, a plural tense of, of her multiple offspring. He changes it to he, singular. He will bruise your head. He will crush your head. He will bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. And it's this first imagery of the gospel of someone's going to come, some individual's going to come, and he's going to save us. And from that moment in Moses on, everybody wants to know when. Everybody wants to know who is it, when are they coming, when is this going to happen? I got to know. We see this in, in Daniel chapter 12. Someone said to the man clothed in linen, there's a lot of, of, of interesting imagery and a lot of prophecy. A lot of it is, is uh, just talking about end times and, and, and destruction, that kind of thing. And so just kind of just try to find the meat off of this. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters in the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And, and Daniel's having a vision of the Messiah and he's saying, uh, I heard, but I did not understand, right? So Jesus gives this response. This is when the end of the world is going to happen. So he says, I, I heard him say something, but I didn't understand. And then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the end of time. In other words, I'm not telling you. I'm not going to tell you when this is going to happen. We move on into Ezra. And then I answered and said, how long? When will these things be? Why are our years few and evil? And he answered me and said, do not be in a greater hurry than the most high. You indeed are in a hurry for yourself, but the highest is in a hurry on behalf of, of many. Going on to Habakkuk. I will take my stand at my watch posts and station myself on the tower and, to, and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And then Yahweh answered me, write the vision, make it plain on the tablets so that he uh, may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to no end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Wait, what? So it's not going to be slow. It's, I'm supposed to wait, but it's not. I'm confused, right? We don't know. And he says, behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright with him. He says, but the righteous shall live by faith. And that's what a lot of scripture talks about is that we walk by faith and not by sight. So then, if that's the when, and we don't know when, when of all this is gonna happen, what about the how? Um, I used to hate, uh, or maybe, and it's, I think it depends on, on the situation, but when people over-explain themselves, now you're all gonna be like conscious of this when you're trying to explain something to me. Um, you know, when somebody's talking to you, explaining how to do something, and you understood what they want you to do in the first four words, right? And then they go on for another 15 minutes, right? And you're like, yeah, Brian, you do this every, every Sunday, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> right, but they, they over-explain, right? And I remember I had this problem when I was a kid of, of being a smart aleck. Um, and my mom would say, uh, clean your room. And I would go into my room, 
And I would just sit there, you know, and play games. When I heard her coming, I would run over my bed and act like I was crying and be like, I can't pick it up. I can't pick up my room, mom. How do you want me to pick it up, right? And then from that moment on, she would over-explain, right? And it was drive me crazy, but she was like, no, 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 you, you need to understand this because you, you forget, right? So Brian, I want you to pick up all your matchbox cars and I want you to put them away in here. I want you to get all your Legos. Or, mom, I get it. You want me to clean my room? No, 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 because last time you threw a fit, right? Well, what's really cool about scripture is God does the same thing to us because we tend to forget. We, we miss things. And so I want to look at the how to kind of answer all those other questions that, that the prophets are looking into. And I'm going to just fly through this, but I want you to sink in. And I had to skip a lot, a lot. We would have been here much longer. So Genesis 12, 3, a prophecy about the Messiah. That's what all these are going to be. I'm going to point all of you to Jesus, to the Messiah. Genesis 12, 3, how? All nations will be blessed through the line of Abraham. 17, 19, there's going to be a covenant with Isaac's ancestors, which will be fulfilled in Christ. Genesis 28, 14, nations blessed through Jacob's offspring. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13, one of David's son will rule and reign forever. Isaiah 7, 14, the Messiah will be born of a virgin. Hosea 11.1, 1, the Messiah will be in Egypt for a time. Micah 5.2, Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Psalm 8.5-6, Messiah will be, a, will be humbled. Uh, Psalm 46-8, Messiah will be a perfect sacrifice. Psalm 78.1-2, Messiah would teach in parables. That's very specific. Isaiah 9.1-2, Messiah's ministry would start in Galilee. Also very specific. Isaiah 11.10, Messiah would come for all ethnicities, not just Israel. Right, there's this whole list, and I had to skip so many of them, but what I love is there's more. There's a lot more. Isaiah 53, 3, Messiah would be despised and rejected. Isaiah 61, 1, Messiah would set the captives free. Daniel 9, 24, Messiah will bring an end to sin. Zechariah 11, 12 through 13, Messiah will be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver. That's incredibly specific. Exodus 12, 46, none of his bones will be broken, just like the Passover lamb, but none of its bones were to be broken. Leviticus 17, 11, Messiah's blood will be spilt. Numbers 21, 9, whoever looks on him will live, looking at the serpent in the wilderness Psalm 41.9, Messiah will be betrayed. Psalm 68.18, Messiah will ascend into the heavens. And Isaiah 25.7-8, Messiah will conquer death. He will rise from the dead. That's just a little. That's just a snippet of looking at all the prophecies in the Old Testament that just say, Jesus is far greater than anything that we could have ever imagined. Um, there's, a, there's a word called uh, apologetics. It's, it's not um, an apology for uh, Christianity. Apologetics, is, it means a defense for Christianity. And, and when you look at all of the prophecies that were fulfilled in Christ just in the three days from his death and his resurrection, people have done the math on this, and it's, um, it'd be the equivalent to, to, to this. Um, it's, it's 10 to the 17 power, which I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a huge number, okay? That's all I know. It's really, I can't even say it. So that's why you say 10 to the 17. Um, the, the analogy is this way. Have everyone ever been to Texas? I've only been to the airport. I've never really, oh yeah, you're, you're, that's right. It's a big state, okay? In case you didn't know, it's a really big state. Um, the analogy is, let's say you had a silver dollar, right? So this big. And if you covered the entire state with silver dollars, and not just cover the entire state with silver dollars, but cover the entire state of silver dollars 10 inches deep. 
Okay, so that's a lot of silver dollars. That's 10 to the 17, approximately. And then you take one, you know, a gold one, gold, silver dollar, a gold dollar, and you randomly throw it into the state of Texas. For someone to randomly grab one, blindfolded, and pick that one up is the chances that Jesus fulfills all the prophecies that he does spinning over thousands of years. Right, that, that is the God of the Old Testament introducing Jesus. It's, it's impossible unless God orchestrates this. You might be going, man, I, I feel like, man, it's just random people just kind of throwing things together. It, it's impossible. It's statistically impossible. And that's just for three days. It's not even around his birth and, and different things that happened to him. So that was the, that was the how how do we know that the Messiah is Jesus, right? I mean, how do we know that, that this Messiah that was promised, because, because if, if you're Jewish or you know anybody who's Jewish, they're still waiting for the Messiah. They take all those prophecies and say, yes, that's gonna happen, but it wasn't Jesus. Is there any, is there any proof that we have that it was this guy, Jesus of Galilee, right? Christ wasn't like his last name. That was like a title. His name wasn't like Jesus Christ. It was, Christ means Messiah. How do we know it was about Jesus? Well, Jesus said it, which I know it doesn't always necessarily mean anything, but Jesus claims this to be true. Matthew 13, 16 through 17, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous, righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Mark chapter eight says this, and he began to teach him that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days be, uh, rise again, all right? This is what Jesus is saying about himself. The Son of Man was his favorite title that he used for himself. It's an odd thing for somebody to say, I'm going to suffer many things, be rejected by, by my elders of my religion, and the chief priests and the scribes, and they're gonna kill me. That's an odd thing to just say willy-nilly. Then he says, after three days, rise again. He knew he wasn't gonna stay in the tomb. And then he said this plain, and he said this plainly, right? He, he, Jesus taught this, made it very clear what was about to happen. And then Peter, the author of the book that we're reading, took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter, right? Peter says, no, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus, that's never gonna happen. I'm not gonna allow that to happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. If you're not setting your mind on the things of God and the things of man. Peter testifies to this account firsthand. He's an eyewitness. And even after this, not even fully understanding the story that was taught in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in Christ and seeing him die and be buried and then raised again on the third day. Then Peter, in Acts chapter four, he's preaching and he says, to this day, I've had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. Right? He's just, he, he just sees the Old Testament in a new light that this is all pointing to Jesus. That the Christ must suffer. And that, by being the first to rise from the dead, would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. That he's going to preach the good news to both Jew and everybody else. 
And Peter believes this to the point of death. As a matter of fact, all the apostles end up giving their life to the, the gospel and the spreading the good news other than John. John died an old man. They tried to kill him a few times. They tried to boil him in oil and that didn't work. So I don't know what I want to know what he looked like after that. Um, and then they just exiled him to an island um, and he, he, he died an old man. Fun fact. What's cool about this passage is that they were serving you, these prophets. It says here, it was revealed to them they were not serving themselves, but you. And so because of that, we're part of the story, right? Like, I mean, you, you here are part of the story. You, you partake in the story of, of all the Old Testament pointing forward to Jesus. Because again, he says, when they spoke of things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. What Peter's doing here is he's, he's mainly talking about himself and the apostles saying, we are eyewitness individuals. Every apostle that was sent was visibly saw Jesus physically, saw Jesus and the resurrected Jesus, and then they were commissioned to be sent out to go start churches. And he's saying, this is us, but I'm, we're preaching this to you. And so when they spoke things, they didn't fully understand these prophets. They've now been preaching the gospel by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is a good thing to be born this side of the cross to be able to look back or down the corridor of history and look at the history books. There's a, a lot of different people out there saying a lot of different things, but there's not too many people that will deny a human being by the name of Jesus of Galilee who physically walked the face of the earth. And, and again, we can go back to my sermon on Jesus from a couple months ago and look at, he either has to be liar or lunatic or Lord. He has to be one of those, has to be. And if he's Lord, then we get to look back over thousands of years of history and look at this side of the cross that we don't have to look into the future anymore and say, when? What's it gonna be like? What's he gonna be like? Is he really gonna take away my sins? And now on this side of the cross, we get to look back because of eyewitness accounts written by Peter and James and John and Mark and Luke and say, yeah, he was the real deal. And he fully knows you. And you can be loved by him. Finally, he says this, even angels long to look into these things. And it seems like such a simple little phrase, like it, it just, I mean, or maybe confusing, right? Of, of angels longing to look into this. What, what does that even, what's that mean? Right? Because there are certain things that were prophesied that angels didn't even know about. They don't know when Jesus is going to come back. They don't know when he's going to return. And so they're still asking the question, when, when, what's this going to happen? What's it, what is it like to be redeemed, to be saved. Because they don't know. They long to look into the things that we as humans have experienced, and especially this side of the cross. And so I just want to summarize quickly kind of where we, we've been tonight, just by looking at it this way. In the past and the present, this is what Peter's kind of highlighting back and forth here. He says, in the past, prophets prophesied about these things. In the present, that evangelists have now preached to you. The Spirit revealed future things to the prophets, and now the Spirit has told you the same things through evangelists, through preachers of the gospel. Prophets inquired into the circumstances of the time of the Messiah's sufferings and glories, and angels eagerly desired to look into the Messiah's sufferings and glories. That we have these sacred texts, that we have the scriptures that God's given us to be able to do this 
And the gospel of Jesus, is the gospel of Jesus compatible with the message of the Old Testament? Yes, the gospel of Jesus is the message of the Old Testament. And that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the prophecies in the Old Testament. So in application, in closing tonight, I just have a couple questions for you. Are you personally joining God's story? I mean, have you, have you bowed the knee? And I don't think I do this as often as maybe I should. But have you just confessed your sin to Jesus? Have you just said, I, I want to know what it's like to be fully known by, by somebody, and especially my Savior? And God, I want to give that to you. And he gladly takes it. And then he takes his robe of righteousness off and he puts it over you and he stands next to you and he, he's married to you so that when the judge and the king of kings is seated on his throne and he says, you're guilty, he says, oh no, we're not because we're, we're one and the same. And he says, well, there still must be a punishment. And Jesus says, no, I'll, I got that, I'll take that. And he takes the wrath of God on himself and all we need to do as we looked even at the beginning is belief. That's the simple gospel message. And finally, are you personally joining in God's story? Are you joining in? What I mean by that is, are you, are you sharing the gospel? All these passages, like the passage, the verse that we just read of the good news and the story that the, that the apostles would teach and that, that we're able to hear from evangelists and all these things, guess what? If you're a believer, you're an evangelist. If you're a believer, this is your story. You're tied to the story, and we should be sharing that story. So it's not just going through the door and, and being part of the team. What are we doing to recruit more team members? Are we sharing the joy that we have in Christ? Are we sharing the joy of what it's like to be fully known and loved by him, regardless of what we do, that he loves us and we love him? Tonight, uh, again, like always, we're going to be having the Lord's Supper and, and just taking these elements of the bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken for you and the, and the juice that represents his blood that was spilt for you. And, and maybe you've never had communion. Maybe tonight you're hearing just the good news for the first time. Maybe tonight can be that night that you can partake of these elements with us. And if you are in, if you're part of the church and the bride of Christ, we'd love for you to partake of these elements, regardless if you're a member here or not. We just would like you to just be a follower of, of Jesus. And we're going to sing. We're going to sing some more songs. We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to take these elements. And so uh, will we do that together um, as a body? Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. I thank you for your creativity. I thank you that we can't wrap our head around all this stuff, that you are an infinite God, and God, if you are infinite, if that is true, then I'm going to spend the rest of eternity and I'm still never going to figure you out. And that is the only kind of God that I want to worship. So God, I thank you for these prophecies that we're able to, to read and to study and to be able to look back and then go, oh yeah, I know what that's about. I know who that's pointing to. I know what that means because of your prophets and your teachers and evangelists that have been able to pen your words and your your people that for thousands of years have scribed them and kept meticulous care of those scriptures that we today, this day, 2019 in the United States of America in the middle of nowhere, North Tundra, can have a copy of your scriptures. God, it is a, it is a miracle. 
So God, I pray now that you'd be honored and glorified by our partaking of these elements of singing these songs and, and hearing our prayers of, of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and, and asking for needs that we, that we have uh, among our midst. And so God, we just praise you, thank you for all you do. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.